Good morning, church family. It is good to be in the house of the Lord with you on this last Sunday of Advent. Wow. It does feel like time has moved fast and in other ways over the last two years. It seems like it has dragged on. But I'm so grateful that the Lord is faithful in every season of life and at all times. When I was a, a boy growing up in the church, we had this saying, I know you have it too, my wife always tells me, whenever you say something as if it's unique to South Africa, there's a lot of times we do the same thing here. But we used to have this saying, God is good, to which the congregation responds, and all the time, amen. This morning, I'm going to invite you to stand with me one more time, and we're going to read from Luke chapter 1. Verses 46 through, actually, I'm going to read from verse 39. So if it's not on the screen, that's my fault. But I'm going to read from verse 39 through to 55. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me? that the mother of my Lord comes to me. For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Father, this morning I invite your spirit to come near, to fill hearts and minds with your grace and truth, and to accomplish that which you have set out to do from the beginning. 
to draw all men, all women, unto you. We ask, Lord, this morning that we would together hear the voice of the Spirit as it speaks to the church. Would you break down defenses? Would you overcome lies? Would you invite us to hear the word as those who desire and long to be free? And may, Father, at the end of this service, we together as your church say, it has been good to be in the house of the Lord with God's people to hear his voice. So I pray that you would slow down our racing minds, calm our anxious fears, and grant us receptive hearts that we may hear what you have to say to us today. Amen. Songs are powerful. They can become an outlet for our feelings, become anthems of protest, soothe our pain, release our emotions, comfort in times of trial, inspire beauty and even dancing. One of the favorite lines from a movie I don't remember but I remember the line is, the music moves me, but it moves me ugly. <laughs> Songs can also be annoying. Baby shark. Now I got it in your head. <laughs> but they can make us nostalgic. Have you ever heard a song and then you remember something? Ever heard a, a song played that was released many, many years ago for some of us who are a little older, and we remember where we were when we heard it, and it conjures, brings up emotions and feelings. Songs can make us happy or sad, reflective. It can connect us with others, make us feel understood, or even prepare us for an event or an activity. Love songs like Unchained Melody, by the Righteous Brothers. The first time ever I saw your face by Roberta Flack. It's okay to say amen to that one. I will always love you by the icon Whitney Houston. Or the Canadian diva. My heart will go on. There's something about songs that reflect love. But then there are also songs that reflect revolution and protest. Some, not all of us here, might remember a song called We Shall Overcome that was written in 1948 by Pete Seeger. Or how about John Led Lennon, not legend, Lennon. Imagine. Then there's a song that some of you may know by Willie Dunn. He's a Micmac filmmaker and singer-songwriter who wrote a song called I Pity the Country, powerful lyrics. Or Bob Marley. I wish Jennifer was here. Get up, stand up. Some of you are finishing the lyrics in your head right now. And then Bruce Springsteen. 
born in the USA. One commentator said that if mothers wrote more of the songs we sing at Christmas, we would probably have fewer songs about silent nights and babies who don't cry. But today, on this Sunday of Advent, we are invited to listen to one of the most powerful, one of the most subversive, one of the most revolutionary, and one of the most loving Advent songs in Scripture. It is a song sung by a young expectant mom, a teenager to be fair, the one who would soon bear into this world the hope for all of this world. It is, in a sense, a song of faith in the God who has been faithful from the beginning and who is showing up to prove his faithfulness in the present. It is a subversive song of hope in the one who overcomes the powers of tyranny to establish justice and liberation and peace on earth. It is also a love song rooted deep in the mercy and the grace of God, the God who chooses not the proud or the powerful or the wealthy, but the humble and the lowly to bear good news in a world that needs it. It is the very best of Advent songs because it's not about pretense like the world is as beautiful as the sentiment of Christmas. It is not about nostalgia, in a sense remembering the past as if it was never going to be any better than it once was. Or it's just not a song that's just about me or you. But it is about the God of Scripture who has and is faithful and who is still at work in lives and in the world today. Let me put it to you this way. It is the kind of song the church needs to listen to and begin to sing. So what do we learn from a song like this? from an Advent song in Scripture written by a woman who is still so young and expecting something that is miraculous beyond our understanding and comprehension. I think the first thing we learn in this particular song is that God is faithful. You can say amen to that. You know, there, there's a song, a, 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 perhaps we'll call it a Christmas song, that says, Mary, did you know? Do you know the song? You know what Luke 1 responds to when it responds to that particular question? It says, yes, she did. And more than that, she believed that God was at work within the world in which she lived. She believed because somehow God appeared to her with this miraculous announcement through an angel, Gabriel. Gabriel. 
And then she believed even more with the strengthening of the witness of Elizabeth who in her womb was carrying John the Baptist who leaped with joy. And then we hear she believed because she knew the Old Testament scriptures. In fact, it reads in verse 54, just stay with me for a second. He, that is God, has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our, she trusted his word and believed his promises. You know, as I reflect on this particular song, I I started to think to myself, everyone needs an Elizabeth. Have you ever noticed how prominent women are at the most significant points in salvation history? God speaks to the lowly and the humble. God reveals himself to the unlikely. And these women represent for us in some ways what it means to live well in the season of Advent. They believe what God says. Do you know Zechariah the priest? He laughed when he heard that his barren wife was going to conceive when the Holy Spirit made that clear. And you know what God did? Shut him up. He was quiet until he could speak in faith again. But I think that This song reveals to us not only that that God is faithful to a particular people, but that he wants to be faithful to all people. And I love how the scripture describes for us the role that some of us can play in helping others remember that God is faithful. I don't know if you've ever thought of Elizabeth this way, but she's the person that comes along rejoicing both in her belly and in her spirit and in her heart with Mary affirming that God indeed is faithful. And I just wondered, not my main point, side point, whether we have someone like that in our lives. Someone that affirms that God is doing something in our lives. Someone that points us to the faithfulness of the God who says, for he who has begun a good work in me is faithful to bring such work unto completion. Someone that does not necessarily point out the faults, the mistakes, how poor we are and how much we fail, but someone who affirms rejoicingly that God is faithful and still at work in us and through us. Who wants a friend like that? But you know, I also think that the scripture shows us our need of someone like Mary. Now we Protestants, we get very nervous when we start talking about Mary. But it, it almost seems to me that we forsake the gift of what Mary teaches us. The way in which Mary postures for us that, that God comes to the, the, the very ordinary, the very lowly. Uh, let, me, let me describe Mary for you in this way. Not only is she a woman in a patriarchal culture with very little power or voice, but she is a pregnant, expecting teenager who has heard from the divine voice that she is now expecting while betrothed to another man. She is a woman that by all accounts, according to Scripture, should not have the kind of faith when she thinks about the prevailing circumstance, the tyranny of leaders and rulers. 
the, the fragmentation of the people of God, the desperation of waiting and languishing for such a long time, and yet Mary epitomizes for us someone who believes the word of God despite what she sees in the world because she has found her hope in the one who has made the commitment from the beginning to redeem and to save and to seek those who are lost. I need an Elizabeth. In fact, I so desperately want to walk over that way, but I fear that I'd walk into one of these plexiglass walls. And Carrie is going to be mad at me because she has to move the camera. I had an Elizabeth in my life. Um, In fact, two Elizabeths. Um, My mom's name was Nolene. Not a very popular name. You know, I don't know. I I shouldn't make that joke. But anyway, her name was Nolene Elizabeth. And and then my grandmother, who I called Mama, was Elizabeth. Uh, I remember once, uh, my mom never, she she didn't graduate from high school, but posthumously, about half a year after her death, I received a, a, her, 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 her degree as she convocated posthumously from the university. Uh, my mom uh, was doing an assignment for university after not having been able to finish school because she had to work so that she can support the family. Some of you understand that. You know, finishing school back in the day, especially in the context I grew up, was a privilege. And, 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 and it was not necessarily a right. And so when my mom, you know, started to study and the confidence that she had, you know, that, that, that she didn't have started to be returned to her. I, re- I remember one day she was frustrated. She was sitting, you know, in our living room and she was working on this assignment. And, 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 and she got so frustrated because she couldn't figure it out and she, she called me. Now, I was never the brightest student, you know. And, but she called me. She says, can you help me? And, and by some, I'm going I'm to blame the Holy Spirit, by some divine inspiration, God helped me to understand what was not understandable to my mom. And I shared it with her, and she looked at me, and she did what she did so much for me. She looked at me, and she looked at me with such incredible appreciation and admiration. She, she had this kind of way of believing, like any mother here would understand, in, 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 in her son. She had the kind of way of, of expecting things from me that I have yet to believe is possible. She was the kind of mother who modeled a faith in what God could do in a boy at that time who had no idea what the future held. She was the kind of mom who embodied for me through the ordinary and the faithfulness of praying for a son and loving me and affirming me that which we see in Scripture, that God is faithful and he can be trusted in every season of life no matter what we are going through. My mom, she got so excited. You know, I would do something, and moms can relate to this, like, not good drawings. My kids draw better than I ever did. But I would go up on the fridge, and it would stay there. I think there's something about the faithfulness 
in this text revealed through two women that in their time were not powerful, were not significant, yet showed us what it means to trust God. Showed us, demonstrated what it means to believe His Word. To remember that what God has promised, He will not relent upon. And here's the challenge for many of us today in this season of life we're in, is that we feel this has been long, this has been, this has been a languishing season of just waiting for reprieve and relief. Perhaps for some of us, it's more than just the pandemic season. Maybe we've been struggling and longing for something to happen to change our circumstances. Maybe we've been battling illness or mental health challenges for years and years and years. And we're crying out, God, will you deliver us? I want you to hear today that the Scripture testifies to the faithfulness of God. That even as years have passed, hundreds of years have passed, the people started to wonder if God's Messiah would ever show up. God remains faithful and births his good news and fulfills his promises through the unlikely. And today says to the church, in this particular season of time and life, that he is still the same God. Do you believe it? Do you believe in the faithfulness of God, even when your waiting seems like eternity? Do you believe in the faithfulness of God, who according to Mary says, he remembers the promises he's made, his mercies are for those who place their trust in him. From generation to generation, God is faithful. This kind of Advent song invites us into not just a patient waiting, but a faithful one, because God is true. Not only does Mary reveal to us in a song that God is faithful, but that God chooses the humble to bear good news. Many years have passed since a prophet spoke to the people about the promises of God. People started to wonder if it was going to happen. Life was marked with fear. Tyrants ruled with sword and the threat of violence, and hope was diminishing. But then... According to the witness of Luke, God breaks into the imperfect world and imperfect circumstances through lowly persons from lowly places. Elizabeth, the wife of a priest, Zechariah, who is said to be barren, she would conceive and bear the messenger and Mary, this young, vulnerable teenager, would bear the message. I want you to hear what Mary says. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices, rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. 
it is easy, uh, perhaps, for some of us to hear this text and say, well, if this particular song teaches us that God brings His good news through lowly people, we should be lowly people. It's probably a good sermon in there. But you know what lowly means in the text? Lowly means uh, those who trust the Word of God and all the implications for their lives. Those believe in hope that which God has said He would do and has no power of them, of them own, on their own, to make it happen. You know, the lowly is, according to Mary and Zechariah, the lonely are those that others ignore and look beyond and don't think anything good can come from them. Not only lowly people, but lowly places. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? No one expected that. That would be saying, like, can anything good? No, I shouldn't say that. And yet somehow, the long wait is over, and God shows up in the most extraordinary way to reveal His purpose and His plan through the most unlikely people. I think that the song of Mary, in which echoes the song of Hannah in the Old Testament, a woman who desperately wanted to have a child of her own and said, God, if you give me a son, I will give him right back to you. And she did just that. In fact, Hannah, according to the Old Testament, was a woman again that was struggling to conceive. She was barren. And anybody who has struggled that way understands the pain of that more than any male can and any woman who's given birth to a child can. And yet, to Hannah, God brings about his wonderful, miraculous blessing. She would conceive of Samuel. Samuel would play a significant role in the election of the king who would serve the people of God. And it is amazing if we look back what God has done through lowly people. Perhaps the invitation is to be lowly, but maybe more than that is to look around us and say, where are the lowly people that bear good news? Who are the people perhaps in our very lives that, you know, they, they don't have a, a lot of followers on Facebook. They, they, they don't have a lot of subscribers listening to their podcasts. They haven't written a lot of books. They don't have a TV presence. They are the kinds of people that according to the standards of the world, we perhaps are not going to get anything from, and yet somehow Scripture teaches us that God has this proclivity to reveal his good news through those unlikely persons. Let me tell you a few unlikely persons in my life that were bearers of good news. My Sunday school teacher, who week after week loved Jesus so much that it showed through her laughter and through her tears. Let me tell you about Anona Corbett, who when I took myself too seriously as a pastor, would sit me down and say, oh, pastor, the age of 99, it's not all up to you. Let me tell you about my grandmother, who the last time I would see her before she would pass on from this life to the glory of God's presence, said to me, remain faithful. Words that resonates still in my heart and in my soul. Let me tell you about 
my mum, whose famous phrase was, live one day at a time, trusting that God is with you. And then my mother-in-law, with just a few years at this time of year, passed away, who loved me without condition, showing me the grace and mercy of Jesus. The church worships a Savior that does not look like the kind of Savior we sometimes wish Him to be. Sometimes I think we miss the hope of the gospel because we have made the hope of the gospel synonymous with power, success, prosperity, getting ahead. But the gospel that we see that Mary sings to is embodied in the lowly, the humble, those who can't take any credit other than to point to the one who deserves all the credit, those whose lives are simple enough, clear enough, open enough, that we will never mistake who their Savior is, and we will know his power and his love. I want you to do something for me on the Sunday of Advent. Who are the humble good news bearers in your life? Who are the people that have modeled for you the hope of Jesus? Who are the ones that you think of as I read my list of people and my list, those were just those who've gone on. I have a list of current good bearers in my life. Can I just say this to you, my friends? I, 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 I see that this is diminishing in the church. We, we have more people with bad news than we have people who have such deep confidence and faith in Jesus that even when it's chaotic, they walk into sanctuaries and they praise God and they sing songs of Advent and hope. Where are the moms who teach us faithfulness, who embody for us what it means to hope in Christ? Where are the dads who learn to trust Perhaps learning from Zechariah that at times it's best to keep our mouths shut. The dads who embody a, a trust in the Lord beyond their own ability, reason, intellect, wit, and strength. Where are the ones who bear good news in a day where so many people associate bad news with the Christian faith? Let me say this very much as a challenge to us, that you can think about changing the world, but unless it begins in your home with those God has placed before you, we have no witness. Unless we start to embody the good news of Jesus Christ in the relationships we have, and and one way that I think you can test and examine is when, when people look at you, do they feel that there is a sense of optimism and faith that despite everything we have gone through and everything that is wrong in the world, that God is still in control? 
You see, Mary sings a song that is revolutionary, that is protesting, that is pointing to a reality that many Christians today have given up on. We don't believe that God is still in control. We don't believe that he's still at work. And so we are not bearers of good news. We are bearers of bad news. But our good news does not one pretend the world is right when it's not, but neither is it fatalistic and places all of our hope on ourselves. It roots itself in the promise of the faithful God, who according to Scripture is Emmanuel and has come to be with his people, the one who is faithful to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and is favorable to Mary, Elizabeth, and Zechariah, and the one who is still faithful to you and me today. Bearers of good news, believe have faith, they trust that God is not only faithful, that God does not only reveal his good news through the lowly, but that he is still at work within our world and in our lives. Mary sings as one who testifies to the work of God in the present. Listen to her words, and with this I close. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. In this sense, Mary is a prophet Prophets of old saw what others failed to see and spoke it in faith into reality. Prophets of old are the kinds of people that calls us to pay attention to the work of the Spirit even when there is so many antithetical things to the kingdom in our world. The prophet who calls and cries out through the voice of Mary beckons us to recognize that God is still at work in the world. And when the church acts as if he does not, we do not bear good news. And so I invite you to, in faith, ask that God would give you the eyes to see the work he is doing. I invite you to, in faith, give thanks for those who have embodied for you the good news of Jesus Christ, those who are calling out in you that which you have yet to believe and see. To know that God is faithful by his spirit and working in your life. I'll never forget the moments that I've had those experiences of real godly men and women in my life who have come alongside me and called out things in me that I didn't believe I was in me. <laughs> now there are some people who like to tell you what Jesus says to you and for your life. But there are those humble followers of Jesus who in faith believes that God is ahead of them and is already at work in the life of others. The church, as we stand before the Lord today, as we sit in his presence today, are invited to sing the kinds of songs that celebrates the faithfulness of God, the good news that he is faithful.
and to in faith believe that his promises will lead to liberation and hope for those in bondage and enslaved. I love good songs. My fault is that I often love the tune before I listen to the words. Very dangerous. I've often bobbed my head to songs that Luke said to me, at least on two occasions. Do you know what he's singing about? And part of me says, don't tell me, because then it will ruin it. I like the beat. I asked a friend of mine, a close friend of mine recently, do you listen to the lyrics or do you listen to the, 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 the melody first? And, you know, and they said, a very analytical person, they said, I listen to the lyrics first. And i got to say to you that there's many songs that are enticing in the world, like I like to listen to melodic, nice-sounding tunes. But the Advent songs that speaks to the coming of Christ invites us to do more than just like a rhythm and a melody that pleases our ears, but that brings us true hope because of who it professes is faithful. I pray for you and your family that the grace and the faithfulness of the Lord would be made evident to you that you would find yourself having faith in the storm, trust in the challenge, peace amidst it all. And even if you feel like you're waiting a long time for that salvation, remember that He is faithful. Place your trust in Him. Learn to wait on Him. And learn to sing the songs of Advent again. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your word and for your faithfulness to us. Thank you for the way in which you remind us that even as we wait, and even as we may wait for a long time, that you are faithful. And so I pray for my friends as they sit here and those who listen online, and I pray, Lord, that whatever feels like a long time to each one of us may be met with the promise and hope that you are Emmanuel, that you come, and that you are faithful. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.